All right, good morning. So we'll make a 50-50. We're going to go through the next Nevi'a, we're up to Miriam. From the seven, Sodom, Miriam, Devoyer, Chana, Vigail, Chuldan, Esther. And being that it's the week before Tisha B'Av, or known as the nine days, just a quick recap of some halachas that God willing we won't need, and maybe open it up to some practical questions, as many have regarding these nine days. So let's first continue with our weekly what we're going to try to do in this series is speak about something unique regarding these seven women Nevi'os. And when I say unique, I'm not choosing their uniqueness, but the Gemara in Megillah Dafyu Dalit is, thank you, is quoting a source from where we know that they were a Nevi'ah. And focusing on the source using the event that's recorded for sure will give us an insight in the unique contribution of this woman who was a prophetess. And now we're speaking about Miriam. Just a little bit of historical context. Miriam was five, six years older than Moshe. I say five, six is because, because we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was born on the seventh of other. And who knows when Miriam was born? Anyone? What's Miriam's birthday? No. What, when did Miriam pass away? People remember? Miriam passed away on the 10th of Nisan. Miriam passed away on the same day she was born. People know that about, Mo- about Moshe. Miriam was born on the 10th and she passed away on the 10th. But the year entering Israel. Correct, but I'm speaking about the day. So just to have it in context, she was born on the 10th. Moshe Rabbeinu was born on the 7th of Adar. So, so when Moshe Rabbeinu was not even a month old, or... Moshe Rabbeinu was born on a leap year. When Moshe Rabbeinu was not even two months old, she then became six years older than him, just to get the number over here. So Miriam was born. She was the eldest daughter from her mother, Yochevet. Yochevet was born in no man's land. Rashi makes a point. Yochevet was born as we were entering Egypt in the Golas. This is very significant because Yochevet wasn't born in exile. She was born in between. She, she was a very strong link to our past, to our past prior to Golos. Past, present. Miriam wasn't just born in Egypt. From when she was born until when we left, those were the bitter years. The Golos didn't begin bitterly. The Golos in Egypt began very affluent. We were living in the Beverly Hills in the... In the uh, Beverly Hills adjacent, what's called in Beverly Wood. And Ramses was... No, it's is, a different issue though. There's Beverly Hills adjacent and this is Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. There's Beverly Wood adjacent and this is Beverly Hills adjacent. This is more chashev. Well, someone said, 100%. To me, someone said to me, welcome to Beverly Wood adjacent. And I said, well, actually... Beverly Hills adjacent. It's actually Beverly Hills adjacent. That's it, that's, that's it. And this is not you south know. of Wilshire. Imagine north of Wilshire. You know, we, we, lived, we lived very chashev. 
and, and it was a progression, it was a digression. When was it really bad? For 86 years. Mamish, from her birth, and that's why they named her Miriam, they knew that the bitter was starting right now. Can I ask you a question about sure. that in terms of her name? Sure. In, in, that, in that you say she was named that knowing of this incoming bitterness was going to be coming onto Amisrael, wow. what does that say about the name, her name, and naming, naming a child that specifically that name. I'll answer you the question in 50 minutes. Because, okay, uh, because my grandmother was Miriam and she was the best woman in the world. I'm going to answer I that. Could, I'm going to speak name. exactly about that. Okay. So, so Miriam was born. Bitter. Bitter was mamish bitter. Not stum bitter. Decrees, quotas, murdering Jewish kids. The closest thing we have to that is the Holocaust, which is still relatively recent. And it was a Holocaust. Mamish. It was that bad. Physically for 86 years. There came a point when she was five years old that the yet newest decree was to have all of the Hebrew boys drowned at birth. Put to death at birth. Drowned them in the Nile. And at that point, Amram and Yochevet, her parents, decided they're getting divorced because they felt it's sinful to bring children into the world, 50-50 chance that the child is going to be killed. And that wasn't only a decree against the boys, it was a decree against the girls, because if there won't be Ivrim, we were called, boys, that means that the girls would marry Egyptians. Who wants to have daughters for them to be married to Egyptians? And the only way out was was to stop. I want to tell you that this concept of stopping to having children was not the first time. There was an event that's not known. It should be more known. I think it's a great event. It's a checkmate event. We backed out. It recorded in the Gemara during the Roman persecution. The Chachamim were this close to making a decree. Want to listen to this? That we may never have children. Jews. Jews. That for God, I'm going to bring Mashiach. There won't be the next generation. I think it was awesome. Yeah, it sounds logical. Sounds so good. It was such a checkmate. And, and they backed out. I don't, I don't know. How long did that last? It, it, their desire was never realized, so it, didn't, it wasn't about lasting. But the fact that the Gemara records it, if you remember when we were learning about Tefillah, we spoke about Chana. Chana also had a checkmate. This was a great... Anyway, their, their decision was... They were like blackmailing Hashem? Yeah. I don't like the word blackmailing, but, but, but we really believe in God. And we're having a dialogue with God. And when the goal is becomes too much to bear, so God obviously holds that we could bear it. And this is what happened in the Holocaust. And, and, and the Chachamim, if they would have done it, there would be no way. That was it. It was either Mashiach or no more Yidin. I, don't, I felt it. When I, I was very inspired by it. I don't know. People were very uh, upset with it and it's covered up. I, I, I keep on thinking about that. That's Kavaldic. Maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. Well, Maybe the tent. vaccinations are doing it for us. We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> there was a rabbit at the beginning of Corona. And she did like a live on Chabad.org and she said basically something like all women should like look into the birth control pill on Chabad.org. And I was like, not to have we kids. Know, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. Like what? I'm talking about goals. I was like, I can't. I was like in shock. 
Anyways, the Gemara just throws that concept out here. Because the Jewish people have to go on forever. There can't be a word without the Jewish people. And, 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 and God is not budging so far. Okay, so coming back over here. So, so, she was the one that had a nevuah. Not wishful thinking, not the optimistic personality. She saw with prophecy that her parents, Amram and Yochevet, will give birth to the one who is going to be the savior of the Jewish people. And she shared that nevuah with her parents. This is in the Gemari here. Let me go in the direction of the Gemara. Let me go from the other side of the story. That when we left Egypt, and we were pursued by the Egyptians, and the sea split, and Shira Sayam, the Torah distinctively speaks about the Jewish men singing and the Jewish women singing separately. And the Gemara quotes, Vatikach Miriam Hanavia, Miriam the Nevia, who was the Achot Aharon, the sister of Aaron. Etc. Etc. She took the tambourine, and the Gemara says, What she was not the brother of Moshe. So the Gemara says nah, nah, nah. that she was a prophetess before Moshe was born. She was a prophetess when she was only the brother of Aaron, and that's it. That she told her parents that my you and your dad, mom, you will give birth to a child that's going to save the Jewish people, and that based on her, based on her prophecy, they got remarried. Getting remarried unless the husband is a coin is a mitzvah as long as the wife did not marry someone else in the interim. Let me just get it to Vashtikal mute over here. Oh, I hope I muted you and not me, but we'll find out. And uh, maybe if Basi can raise your hand. Can you hear me? I hope you can hear me. Okay, and, and with all the details, and when the Moshe was born, the house was filled with light. He was born in the sixth you month and one day. You muted yourself. Um, I'm sorry about that. All right. Done. Unmuted. Isn't it a good thing to be able to mute? Uh, if we can take a mute ourselves, that will be the best. That will, that will bring Mashiach. That's another option. Mute. Okay. And, uh, and the house was filled with light. And, and whatever that means. And, and, and Amram, he, he walked over to his daughter. And the Nashka al-Roisha, he kissed her on her head. And he told her, Biti, my daughter... Imagine, she was five years. She wasn't six. She wasn't six yet. Your prophecy already came true. They knew he's, he's, he's the one. But then when they threw him into the Nile, her father rose and he tapped her on her head and he said, my daughter, where is your prophecy? And that is the meaning of the verse, that the sister Miriam stood in the distance to know to know what will happen, not to know what will happen to him, to know what will happen to her prophecy. That's the quote. So that's that's the source that she's called the prophetess. The Torah calls her Nevia, but she's called Nevia because of something that she prophesied when she was only the brother of Aaron. Now I want you to know a few things about the Nile. The Nilus was infested with with crocodile crocodiles. She stood in denial to watch what will happen to Moshe. And the Medrash writes that she did not have a doubt. It, sometimes you are looking to see what will happen is because you don't know what will happen. She was a prophetess. She knew that he will save the Jewish people. 
she was certain, that's real betachen, she was certain that something is going to happen in the positive. And she wanted to witness the miracle. And she was so affixed as to see what will happen in the positive is that she stepped into a crocodile infested water. Imagine that. One of the many gifts that God gave to Florida amongst the other humidity and Vukhule is that they have crocodiles and alligators over there in the marshlands. It's like... Fested with it's it's and not. The whole time I was thinking about Miriam. I was Can you imagine? She stood in this. How did she go in there? Oh, Shkoyach, that was good. And she was and she was and she was waiting to see the miracle. But Moshe was there. Moshe was there. It's all one big miracle. And the fact and and the fact. I mean, the, the Egyptians, those Egyptians, they went swimming over there. Maybe that's also a miracle. It, it, it says that Rebbe is speaking about this many times. Says that it was her gaze that attracted the Bisio or known as Basio to go swimming over there. You have to know what's the cause and what's the effect. What's the way we understand Bitachin is that it was her certainty and courage of seeing, of looking for what's about to happen that brought that about. So what's unique about the, the Nevoah of Miriam and how she has to inspire people until forever, today and forever is that, is that you know, there are certain people that are so, they're so elevated from the world is that even when things are happening that are bitter from our perspective, they're not aware of it. Then you have a person which is Miriam. Miriam had this paradox which is very important is that she was bitter. Miriam is Maryam. That's what Miriam. It's not just bitter. Yam means the sea. Mem 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 is the sea means wisdom. The sea means um, Mashiach. You know the world filled with the oneness of God. That she was able, on one hand, to be in touch with Golos. She knew what was happening. She felt the pain of her generation. Are you talking about as opposed to someone like Rav Zusha? Very good contrast. As opposed to other people that were on a different, they did not live in this world. They were, they lived here, but they were not of this world. They had no shaykhs to the world. No, Miriam was bitter. Miriam was our feet on the ground. And Dafka, while a person, not most people that are, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. When you're a realist, you bring a downer. No, she had, she was a realist. And at the same time, she never lost her nevoah of seeing that which is about to happen with certainty that it's going to be good and her gaze is what saved Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's why the Medrash writes in a few times that who took the Jewish people out of Egypt? Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. And that's Gavaldik. That's a koyach that, 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 that we have Birusha. We got it as a gift from, from Miriam. And that's a koyach that, that is not needed in, in the redemption. That's a koyach that's needed in Golos. Never to lose touch with reality. I think that's a very important thing. Certain people, they, they suppress. It's better than being depressed, but only temporarily. Many people deal with their very difficult realities by, by completely ignoring it, suppressing it. Denial. They're in denial. They're in denial. Denial. And she was in denial. She wasn't in denial. She was in. The, she was. She was in. She was with the crocodiles. I mean, she was. She knew exactly what's going on. She knew the tzara. Miriam, not that she was a bitter person. 
she was aware of the bitterness of her generation. That's the Gaval. That's why Miriam is the greatest name. It doesn't mean you're a bitter person. It means that you are able to connect to the reality even when the reality is bitter. And Dafke, because of her connection, was she able to attract Basia because she wasn't above it. She was within the Tzada. She had the courage to bring the redemption. That's a big power. That's a big power. And that was something that Sada never needed. So she added to what Sada we spoke about last week. Sada, this is the Koyach, the Koyach of Miriam. We're going to continue with the Voida next week. And we're going to make a quick flip over to the nine days. The nine days also is a paradoxal time. Okay, so what's the nine days? Same thing. What's the nine days? So it's so paradoxical. I want to begin with Tishabov. I want to go backwards. Tishabov, first of all, when people are in mourning, when there's a terrible tragedy, the way God made us, you know, the different with all of the different phases that the greatest psychologists understand, there was a certain amount of heaviness of the tragedy that people with time hopefully wean themselves off. Which is why in halacha, all of the laws of mourning begin heavy. And then you, you know, from the aninos to the shiva, to the shloishim, to the levema, to the ear. Yeah, and then forever on the yard side. Being that for most people, the temple is still something in the distance. So the churban is a concept, but it's not, you know, as a reality, as God forbid, someone who loses someone that they knew, that they can touch. So the way the Chachamim enacted the laws of mourning was in the opposite direction. Mamish, the opposite direction. That means we begin from the lighter mourning, which is the three weeks, and then we wean ourselves into the mourning. And the culmination, the, the apex is Tisha B'Av, heavy, heaviest mourning. You should know that Tisha B'Av, halachically today in Golos, is called a Moyed. It's called a Yantif. It expresses itself that we don't say Tachanun. We don't say Tachanun. It's not a minor thing. It's a minor expression. It's just a sign of something very deep. So what is it? Is it a, the saddest day or is it a yomtiv? And the answer is that it has to be both. That's Miriam. Both meaning that, that in the present, it's a terrible day. It's a tragic day. In the future, it's going to be the greatest holiday. It's going to be more joyous than some chastoyda without doubt. It's going to be the happiest day of the year. When people complain that here in Nebuch, it's always in summer and when we have vacation, it's going to be the gift that you're going to have a summer and meet a in the middle. It's going to be amazing. All the best activities and camp will happen on Tisha B'Av. I'm ready. Already. <laughs> oh, 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 so the question is, not what's Pshat? So Bechal, the way Hasidus explains, and this is a life that, that, listen, we don't have the big picture yet, but the Chorban of the Beis Mikdash, as we will see it in the imminent future, will be just a preparatory step for the new building. It's like when you have a home and you want to make something infinitely nicer. So when you make a little remodeling, you get to keep your house and you just change a wall here and there. If you want to make something completely new, the cheapest way is to knock down the old to make the new. That's really what the Chorban Beis Amigdash is. Because everything that happened in the bigger context, which we don't know yet, is that it's all to prepare us and the world and the physical place for something exponentially greater. 
So in that perspective, listen, we're not allowed to destroy a Beit HaKnesset. Hashem has to keep the Torah. Hashem said he submits himself to keep the mitzvahs. We're not allowed to destroy a synagogue with the one exception of if you want to build something much nicer. No, it's the concept that even in Golos, we're mourning. There's laws of mourning. We're not allowed to minimize the laws that we got to keep the Shulchan Aruch. Do you have to be machmer? I'm going to give you a rule the Rebbe told people when they were sitting shiva for their parents that within the halachic frame, the more lenient you are in mourning, the more the neshama has an aliyah. Within the framework of halacha. So we're not... You know, it's in every area of halacha. It's not black or white. You have certain black and white boundaries. And then there's many levels, you know, kosher, more kosher, more machmir, less machmir. In mourning, the Rebbe said to many people that you should be lenient in Avelus. I just, I'm just adding, obviously, but it's sometimes you got to say the obvious, not breaking any halachas of mourning, but within the framework of halacha, we got to be lenient. Did you tell us that the Rebbe didn't cut his hair for a long... The Rebbe did not cut his hair for more than a year after his wife passed away. That was not being lenient, correct? So there's exceptions to everything. And I don't know... I, I, I don't know if it's huh? Maybe just like Taula. It was it was it was some or something, and maybe it's not connected to mourning. It was definitely connected to the passing of his wife, without doubt. And there's always exceptions. Every rule has an exception, and that also has an exception. In Avelus, that I was told when I was sitting shiva for my father, two rabbanim walked over to me. I was in Eretz Yisrael then, and they told me, and they showed me a book that the Rebbe said that you should be as lenient as you could within the framework of halacha, and the more leni- the leniency in the morning, in Avelos, brings a ascension to the neshama. Let me word this differently, that the sadness that we feel, which should not be suppressed, should not be suppressed, but the, when we get over, when we work through, these are the good words, when you work through the sadness, it helps the neshama of the departed. They are keenly connected to and aware to our emotions and the heaviness that we feel brings about a certain heaviness to them. It hurts. It'd be, well, they're also hurting. So, and and we have to keep Avelus. I'm just saying all this because we have to be, we're Hasidim and just to get a, at least to get the concept. The concept is, is that, is that we are in a period of mourning and you'll notice that amongst Hasidim, we do everything that we could within the framework of halacha to lighten the mourning. Not minimizing the churban. As an example, the Rebbe asked for people to make siyumim during the nine days. A siyum means that when a person learns a substantial amount of Torah, when they conclude a, an entire nesechta, they make an official siyum, and it's a, a considered a moment of joy, and you can have a meal, and halachically in the nine days you can have meat. The Rebbe asked for us to make a siyum every day in the nine days. Oh, what do you say, once a day? We, we do every day. Yeah, 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 we do. And by the way, if you, if, even if you dial into it, you can have a su'ud of, of basr if you want halachically. Really? Really. So like this, thank God. So when we began many years ago, we were doing very good. But as the years went on, thank God, we upgraded and now we have people that learned over the year and we save in Lubavitch, we save the siyum for this time of the year. What if we weren't part of that? If just being present while the siyum is happening allows you halachically to join in the meal and to eat meat during the nine days. 
Now, Lubavitch has a din. You make a seam and you don't have meat. That's crazy. But that's only uh, beyond, beyond the letter of the law. Oh, we died. When you say we, the Rebbe Rashab made a seam and he didn't eat meat. So no one really does. That's not true. In camps, they make a seum and they eat meat, and the counselors, some of the counselors, depends who. Okay, but like tonight, <laughs> um, No, in, in officially, we're not going to have meat, but many okay. people will participate in the seum and they'll eat meat. I'll be, you can't change the shulchan aruch. Make a seum, you can eat meat. No, I mean, people took it to the extreme. There's certain restaurants in New York where they make a seum, <laughs> and they and they and you know, you know again, it's ready. That's going. That's the other extreme. They're using the halacha. <laughs> To sell another steak, but uh, it, it's kosher. You're allowed to do that. Okay. Now, what's unique this year? It's an interesting Shabbos. Shabbos. Shabbos is erev Tishabov. I just want to go over the basic halachas. So, like this. How ironic! Shabbos. If Tishabov falls on Shabbos, we don't fast on Tishabov. The fast is pushed off to Sunday. The fast is on Sunday. But it's amazing when exactly does Sunday begin? When does Sunday begin? When does Shabbos end? Doesn't work that way. Sunday begins before Shabbos ends. This is typical Jews. That means we have different parts of the Torah. Halacha doesn't go on the same track. It's fascinating. So when does Shabbos end? Say Sakai Chavim. When does Sunday begin? Shkia. Shkia. So the fast of Tishabov begins around an hour before Shabbos goes out. It's not confusing. It's just it's different different ways of counting the time. Depending you have different clocks. Oh, oh, oh. Now, it's not called fasting on Shabbos. Why? Because it's like a person says, oh, I diet many times a day. Every time between snacks, I'm on a diet. The answer is no, that's not called a diet. It means you can't say you're fasting on Shabbos if you ate until Shkia and then you're only fasting for the next hour you can't call that a fast how about morning what about morning 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 okay if if Tisha B'Av would have been on Shabbos which it's not this year then the one the one of the five uh, um, the the five abstinations if that's the word five inuyim I'll get the right word in English there are five activities that we have to refrain from on the fast day. And for a married couple that the couple cannot be together, that's the one that has to be kept even on Shabbos if and when Tisha B'Av is on Shabbos because it's a private matter. So it's a matter of, you know, it's not like the emotional set. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know, it's both. You see, God, you cannot legislate emotions. Let's begin with that. It's good to know. You cannot, the Torah does not legislate emotions. Nekuda, period. What does that mean? That means that even though there's a mitzvah to love God, that's a big problem that... It's, it's the big exception that has to be explained. You cannot legislate emotions. You can legislate behavior. Love Hashem. Love your we have kids. You cannot demand of our children emotions. It's, it's a horrible approach. We can tell the children that even though you are angry or even though you feel a validated feeling, a feeling is a feeling, yet, yet, this feeling at this moment cannot be expressed the way you're expressing it because our behavior is the realm in which you have halach. Everything has exceptions, I know, but that's all. So when it comes to mourning, I want to explain something. There was no mitzvah to feel sad. People, God forbid, going back to this tragedy, it's very common when, when things happen as a shocker, people don't react right away. People uh, don't... Not, not, not by you, not no, over no, there. I have a brother that lost a child. His child drowned. Okay. 
and by the burial he walked over, he told me that uh, my, Avram he says something is wrong with me, I'm not feeling anything. And he needed to hear that it's normal not to feel anything. It was a shocker. It took a few days for him to realize what happened. Emotions are, everyone is different. People react emotionally differently. Even if there's a pattern, it's not a science. You know, exactly now you're going to feel this. So God never told us to feel sad. What God told us, whether it's rabbinic, whether it's biblical, when it comes to the laws of mourning, is how we should behave in a mourning, per- mourning period. That's clear. And until today, floor. people sitting on the floor, be honest, do people care about the Chorban Beis Amikdash? Some people, yes, yeah, some people not. No, we don't sit on the floor. So the, oh, very good. So the behaviors of, of mourning is not practiced at all on Shabbos. The only refrain that we have on Shabbos is from Shkia, from Shkia until it says, one may not eat or drink. Other than that, you wear your leather shoes, you sit on a normal chair. Um, I mean, there are other things. We don't anoint ourselves on Shabbos. Anyway, you don't remove your leather shoes on Shabbos. Interestingly, you don't do that. After Tzayis HaKichavim, if you're going to say Baruch HaMavdol in Kodesh L'Chayl, or for the men, if they'll be in the Bet HaKnesset, they have to say Baruch Then they take off their shoes. If it's not Shabbos, and Tisha B'Av, let's say, falls out on a Tuesday. Correct. What time does Tisha B'Av start? From sunset, Shkia. Sunset of Monday. Of the of the of the day of the day prior, and then all of the rules, which will be, I cannot wear leather shoes, would begin then. Just, just interesting. This year, since it's Shabbos, the only rule is, refrain from eat and drink. You'll leave your until leather shoes till second chav. Then it shifts to regular. Then it's it shifts to regular. regular. Exactly. Can you explain the whole like um, brushing your teeth? If, like, if if the fast starts on Shabbos, can you eat and like? Brush at 7.45. Brush okay. Your okay, okay, I'm happy with this question. I want you to know like this, that in halacha, you have a smuggest board of opinions brushing teeth on Shabbos. Let me just speak out the various issues or potential various issues. And you have people that are machmer completely, you have people that are makel completely, all good opinions, and then you have the in-between. There is an issue of taking something that's solid-like and making it into a liquid. liquid. Okay, very good, very good, very good. Shkoyach. So, uh, so like this, how some lenient halachic authorities opine that the toothpaste to begin with is not considered a solid. Right. Other peoples are of the opinion that it's a problem and they want it to be a lot um, liquidier <laughs> or use uh, mouthwash. So there's a toothpaste issue or non-issue. Then there's another topic about toothbrush. What's the issue with the toothbrush? Either schita, that means that you're squeezing the water out of it if you look at it like a sponge. Many people are lenient. They say it's not like a sponge. And then finally, for those people who commonly bleed when they brush their teeth, olive, go to a dentist. It can be, an, we just learned, it can be an indication of these illnesses. If you don't treat, they can become more serious. Or, I mean, but independent of that, then you can't draw blood on Shabbos. These are the two issues. So there are people that don't use tooth paste, but they use a toothbrush. There are people that mama show the opposite. You can take toothpaste and put it in your mouth and just to get it with a bad breath and don't use the toothbrush. There are people that use both. There are people that don't use either. So coming back to Basi, to your question, whatever you pass in every Shabbos will be the same over here. If you're saying, just to give the words, that ah, since it's a fast, you got to make sure that there's no food left in your mouth, it's not the end of the world. I promise you for thousands of years our great-grandparents did not have toothbrush and they didn't have toothpaste and they didn't break any fast days. They didn't have teeth. Very good. 
But I'm saying, you know, you do the best you could, you finish eating, you drink, and for that little thing of food, if you can call that food, uh, it's not... Uh, if, for hygienic reasons, I don't want to make light, it's important to be, uh, to be clean, and it's a mitzvah to brush your teeth in that context, but it doesn't affect the halachas of, of fasting. So whatever you do every Shabbos, do the Shabbos as well. That's a fair answer. Oh, Shkoyach, we do not eat. Thank you for reminding me. So normally the meal before is called Sudasamaf Sekes, and you have the restrictions, only one cooked, only one baked, and sit on the floor, and the minig, none of that on Shabbos. Zero. You can have a Suda like King Solomon up until Shkia. With Chavedim, you're not sitting on the floor, you're not, we don't have it. Shabbos? But the only thing is you stop the fast. Now, another, a few things over here that... For women that gave birth in Bar Hashem, right now we have many of those that are after a week, but not yet 30 days, there is leniencies for fasting. It's not a carte blanche, but just to be aware of that. Um, as time goes on, more and more Rabbanim that, are, that you would call Haredim are becoming more lenient. I'm not saying this, God forbid, for people just to rely on what I'm saying, but be aware that the negative potential effects of fasting when it comes to a pregnancy, especially if it's what we will call a high-risk pregnancy, is something that the contemporary halachic authorities are taking a lot more into account than they did uh, 10 years ago. A lot more. And therefore, if a woman is pregnant, don't presume, first of all, don't presume that you have to fast. Mestama you have to, but you don't, it's not for sure. And if there's the most minute chance that this can God forbid, hurt your child to be, then there's no being machmed here. Then it's good to consult and to find out what effects the fasting will have and to run it by a rav. I'm speaking about to the Lubavitcher people, Lubavitcher Rabbanim, and there are many circumstances I'm dealing with one right now in which a rav is insisting that a certain woman should drink, should not eat, should drink because of some high risk. You have to know how to define that halachically. Fasting Meaning, abstaining even from drinking does take a toll on the body. And whenever there is life at risk, it's not about being machmer for this. You have to know how to be machmer for the preservation and for the health of future life. Any other questions? Any questions? I have one. Go ahead. Um, so what's the Kabbalistic deeper connection that it starts on Shabbos? There has to be something. Well, I, w- I was going to say about Miriam that it's a joyous day. So it's joyous. The future, you know, is when Miriam walked into the waters, she was celebrating a miracle. Imagine when you know, you know there's going to be a miracle, and you know that without a miracle, it's not happening. It was a beautiful moment. She was in a Gavaldica space. Don't they say there's an hour? Yes. From sure. On Tishbev, Mashiach was born on Tishbev. That's the meaning that the salvation comes on Tishbev. Incredible. It's like when you run off a cliff and before you fall down. And you know that a miracle is going to happen. It's a very, it's a very exalted space, and you are aware of where you're at, huh? Have you done that? Thank God, no, I've never done that. No Baruch Hashem, but as a kid, you know all of the comic books. That's the image that your guy is running off, and then they realize, oh my God, right? The mouse and the cat, whatever they're called, and he's on top of the air. And when he realizes that, down they go. So I'm saying that's what Miriam. In other words, they, she knew it, it's impossible. And, and, and it, it, she didn't have a doubt. She, she, was, in a, she was in a via. I mean, you didn't have to have that approach that Tisha B'Av is going to be a yamtiv. On the other hand, she, her name was Miriam. 
Not it's a yontif, so break the fast. No. I'm following the halacha. I'm aware of the present. I'm connected to the present. And in that awareness, I can see the future. That's the koyach. And that's, I think, the way we should approach the nine days. So the word medicine is a very broad word. Um, medicine that does not demand, if you, a person is taking antibiotics, the answer is yes. That you can you continue to take, take your antibiotics on tissue above. Is that like one cheekful? Is that no cheekful? Just a pill. Try to swallow it. No cheekfuls. Yeah, but this pill water. So then I don't want to give an answer here on Zoom. Every pill is a pill, and every medication is a medication. I don't want to make light of a fast, but generally, if the the more serious the medication is, then the more lenient the ruling will be regarding consuming it, taking it, taking it on 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 tissue above. Like a broader question just about Nebuah and like if somebody has Nebuah, let's say Miriam, for example, I feel like oftentimes we'll use, you know, these people as like examples or paradigms for like how we should have Amuna. But like if we're not, you know, like it's like, did she have Amuna or did she have Nebuah? And if we don't have Nebuah, how can we use her experience as an example as how we should behave in certain situations. I'm going to answer your question with a question. And that is, why did the trader record all these details of how she stood on the water, being that she, because of your very well point of her being a, a Nevi'ah, she knew from God that he's going to save the Jewish people. So why is that even recorded if it's not, if it's not shy of the people like us? And everything recorded in the Torah has to have a message for us. And therefore, it does have a message for us. The Rebbe told us Mashiach is coming. The Rebbe said, we're the first, we will be the first generation of the redemption. Not my, not my statement, his statement. So it's on me to, to, to internalize these words on such a level that I live with it. I didn't see that vision, but he saw that vision. I have a Muna in that vision. But I'm therefore inspired to live a life where I'm aware of Golos and I can already taste and see the imminent coming of Mashiach. And if there would not be someone on the level telling you what's going to happen, then I'm not saying that every time you should go into a crocodile infested water, a point well taken. But it must be that, let me word it like this, that when Miriam had other people known that she had that Nevi'ah, and I'm sure other people did, it would be nice to find a source that there were other people standing in the water with Miriam. And then I would be more connected to those other people. Because they were relying on her. They had a Muna that she sang the Emes. And she didn't make it up. It wasn't just being optimistic. It was something completely different. She mamish saw, she heard, she was in a via. That he, he, Moshe, will be the savior of the Jewish people. So it has to be that it's going to be good. It has to be that way. I think there are certain general approaches like the Jewish people will live forever. It's going to be. Doesn't mean that we got hurt on the way. But at the end, we're going to always come out. We're always going to come out alive and well. To know that from the beginning, not to ignore the challenge, not to do everything we could to prevent things from getting worse 100%. But like Ami Yisrael Chai is a, is a fact. And we have to understand that deeper. Oh, fine. So I guess I want to say like this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
like this, that Matzah Shabbos and Shul, or if you don't go to Shul, you make a bracha only over the candle. Why don't we make a bracha on Psamim? Because we're mourning. And, and Sunday night, we make Havdalah over wine without not candle nor psalmim, and this is important, for people that halachically have to break their fast. Please don't forget to make havdalah. Well, if you have a woman that is within three days, or if she's within the week and the week and 30 days, or if you have a person that, and it happens, some people feel I have to, and, and, you, and, and ideally on wine, and if you can't make it on wine, do it on grape juice. And if you can't do it on grape juice, do it on coffee. And maybe you can even do it on, on oranges. I'm saying, go the lean, whatever you need to make havdol, make havdol. Say the words of havdol and drink and drink it as havdol. Not just baruch hamavdol. is good for everything other than eating and drinking. Like every mitzvah Shabbos, that after we make baruch hamavdol or we say in the davening atuchin antonu, we can do all the malachis, but we may not eat nor drink until we make havdol over a cup of ideally wine, and if not the other. Alternates. Good. Hashem should help us. We should emulate Miriam. We should understand what's happening. We should not ignore the pain. And at the same time, we should be filled with emuna and bitachin. Even though we're not prophetesses, but we should know that it's going to be good. It's going to be great. And, 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 and that's the beauty that it was her gaze that brought about the salvation. I want to ask you about that. So her gaze. What do you mean by her gaze? What, she was in the water. Was she hiding? She was not hiding. She was not hiding. She was, it's like, you know, you know you are about to see a miracle. If someone gives you an email, a, a, a WhatsApp, a guy in two minutes, there's going to be a miracle. So you're standing in anticipation of a miracle. She was out there looking. She and was, then Basia comes. And she saw, and that was the, and she saw how Basia came. Maybe that in itself was a miracle. She came to bathe there. She really, she didn't come. She went to the mikvah there. Fact, she would go bathing in the park. Do they talk? No, but she interacted at the right time. So after Basia took the baby, and she, and and she had with her women that were were called uh, midwives, nurses, wet nurses, wet nurses, and she was close enough to witness how Moshe Rabbeinu was not nursing from any non-Jewish woman, and that's when she intervened and she says that I know a, another wet nurse, a Hebrew wet nurse, and she called her mother. Do you think that her character kind of was similar to the crocodiles, and that's why they're mentioned? You know, how they sit above the water and they look out. I just heard this about crocodiles. They actually so funny that they that they sit in the water and then they then they go and attack. But they sit and they watch for a little while. They're gazers. Nice. Normally, crocodiles. Huh? What's the word for gaze? Tzafa, tzadik, pei hey. It's one of the words that are connected to nevua. Was you're looking and you're gazing. When you're looking at a crystal ball, you're gazing at it. It's like yeah, what is, it's a gaze versus just looking or seeing. Exactly that. It's like you're there, seeing. You, you're, you're seeing something within something else. When you look, when when you look at a person and you see their children or their grandchildren, you're gazing at them. You're seeing deeply into. Seeing deeply into something. And it's also Shabbos Chazon, which is a happy Shabbos. Again, it's a happy Shabbos, but we're not allowed to, we say Pirka Yavis before midday. It's one of these moments where we're not ignoring, it's not a, it's not a, like there's a challenge of values, which one will trump the other? One on the account of the other. No, there's certain, we don't learn in the afternoons, most parts of Torah, but at Shabbos, 
Miriam. That's Miriam. She was very much in touch. She was bitter, but she was not bitter. It's more inspiring than the people that are just not bitter. Shabbos Chazoin is like this, that we have Haftoidus that we read. Normally the Haftoidus that were enacted during the era that we were not allowed to read in public on Shabbos. So we substituted it with the prophets and that the Romans allowed that. Normally the reading is connected to the reading of the Torah. But during 10 weeks of the year, the Chachamim made the Haftoidus reading connected with the time and not with the, with the Parsh. Three weeks leading up to Tisha B'av, all of the three Haftoidus are words of reprimand that were given to us before the destruction of the first temple. And the one that we read this week was the vision of the Churban of the Beis HaMikdash. Hasidim say, Levi Yitzchak said, that yeah, yes, we, we should see the destruction, and every Jew on this Shabbos sees the third temple. And if you're not aware of it, yet, be aware that it's, you're not aware of it yet, but your unconscious or your superconscious sees the third base on English. Mamish, same concept. So you, you have to see the Churban. We have to follow the halachas of mourning. If we're zoicha, to feel pain as well, we can't force that. And at the same time, feel the joy and the excitement of the imminent redemption. Amen. I, do, I wanted to say that I feel like there's a um, or is there, every Shabbos, it's like Sunday is coming in the last hour of Shabbos, which is the whole reason why we do third meal and seeing it's that transition of like souls returning to Gehenna. It's like an intense time. If you haven't washed, don't eat. Very good. Like, it's like a no, in other words, there. bringing Shabbos into the week is really every Shabbos. Very good. Very good. We actually, we add a few minutes to Shabbos. A few minutes. Halachically, Shabbos. And then some people really like right, taking yeah. it out. And there's a reason for that. The reason is, is because you want to bring Shabbos into the week. But what you're saying is that that happens always because Sunday really begins on Shabbos, which is good. So it's a bridge. The end of Shabbos is a bridge. Miriam was a bridge. That's a good one. A bridge is a koyach. Uh, Rav Shalom brought, was called a, a bridge. Rav, I don't think it's good to, to people should walk over you. I, I love whoever that rabbi is. But I mean, the bridge is like, I think Yochevet was like more like a bridge from the past to the present because she was, she was born and Miriam is like a bridge between the present and what's about to happen. It's a good place to live in. Maybe it's more you're supporting people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, she knows that. Just, uh, okay, say this. So, listen, after the fact, you were a bridge after the fact. I don't think, don't make yourself available on that level. I don't think it's healthy. As a yeah. rule, that people should step over you, or not? no. No, but I, I don't mean stepping over you. I mean like, like my house is a bridge. Stepping stone. Do you know what I mean? Like it's bringing people in and taking. Your house is a destination. Hello. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I hope it's not a destination. It I should be a destination. It's good. It's a, like a merkava. It's like a, something that's. A merkava, like a, a carriage. I'm good. I'm good with the carriage. Much better than a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> because a carriage, <laughs> a city, <laughs> and uh, and higher um, <laughs> 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 And this is a Beverly Hills adjacent. Good.